Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you for another week and looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's uh, the climax of the season. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining us again. And at a week that uh, ticket prices become an issue with the A-League, we saw uh, some disappointing crowds in Melbourne on the weekend. We'll talk to the CEO of the Melbourne Victory Football Club later in the program, as well as uh, one of the greats to ever pull on the green and gold for Australia in Craig Moore. They are coming up on this program. But the A-League finals kicked off last weekend, Tony, and, and disappointing uh, Melbourne crowds. And a lot of discussion was around the ticket prices uh, being way too high. Uh, and 7500 at Melbourne City uh, highlighted the fact that, uh, you know, that perhaps the, the, the prices were one thing deterring people from going along. Yeah, there were, you know, a lot of um, comments on social media about the pricing. Um, you know, 15000 Sunday night, uh, Melbourne victory. Um, and it got, you know, 27,000 members. So it was a bit disappointing. But, you know, the positive is FFA have sort of seen that, learned from it, and they've actually dropped prices for this week um, for by 20% from last year. And um, it's looking like they're going to be a seller at Newcastle. And they've already sold over 10,000 for, uh, for the Big Blue. Fantastic. So uh, Newcastle will be an amazing atmosphere. They've, I think they're close to 15,000 already sold now uh, in Newcastle. And uh, that they'll go uh, close to selling that out. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, they've played a final in the Hunter Valley and everyone's really excited about what will be a terrific night uh, when Melbourne City travel there. Yeah, no, uh, you know, that uh, that city really gets behind their uh, football club and uh, you've seen it in the past when they've been doing well that, uh, you know, the stadium's packed and, um, you know, it's going to be a sellout this uh Friday night and really looking forward to uh, to watching it. And Melbourne Victory uh, travel to Sydney. We know that uh, it's it's been a, a task that's uh, proven too difficult for them over the last couple of seasons for Melbourne Victory. It's got to turn around though. Well, is it is it the question is is it this Saturday night? Uh, last time they played, it was a one 0 win to uh, Sydney FC. Melbourne Victory you could argue dominated that second half and and probably should have come away with with a result. So Kevin Musket, I, I presume, will be focused on uh, on that, especially that forty five minutes they played in that second half. I think history goes out the window. We saw last mm. year's grand final um, when victory came, uh, albeit they didn't uh, finish it. Um, Sydney went on to win the grand final. But uh, I think, you know, if there's one team that matches up, and I know Sydney are talking it up, and um, but if one team that matches up really well is, is Melbourne victory against Sydney. And uh, Michael, imagine a derby, a Melbourne derby grand final. Um, that'll be huge. <laughs> Maybe the FFA are hoping for that because it'll be a sellout. Eddie had stadium for that, but Sydney have got the form. Um, Melbourne can can win it as well. It's going to be a cracking game. Oh, it'd be amazing. And um, just from a crowd point of view, you said over 10,000 um, already sold there. Uh, you were the CEO of uh, Sydney FC, of course. What uh, What's a realistic uh, expectation for the FFA on a Saturday night in Sydney for uh, a semi-final? Last year, we played Perth in the uh, semi. We've got 27,000, so... You know, you'd be hoping for that for that crowd. Uh, That's a huge crowd. Um, given what we've had this year, I, I would be surprised if they yeah. go close to that. Yeah, I think uh, over twenty thousand would be good mm. uh, on the night, and twenty thousand early on. So, uh, you know, if, with all the people in the lower bowl, uh, it'll be a great atmosphere. 
Also, the other thing uh, we'll, we'll touch on uh, briefly before uh, going to our guests after the break is uh, uh, around the FFA and, and the fact that uh, they came out during the week and, and spoke about uh, next season and international windows. And Hooray! it's been something that uh, the fans and the players and the coaches have been long pushing for. Uh, great to see that they're listening. And uh, next year we'll have uh, international windows for hey, the A-League. Yeah, look, uh, in the 12 years, I think only once they've done that. And that was a long, long time ago. Um, you know, when you look at Wellington Phoenix, when they play, they're always missing eight or nine players. I think it's a good move. They're going to start the uh, season off a week later. Um, because what's happened in the past is, you know, the first week of the uh, A-League and you've got an international window. So that's fantastic uh, news. They've, they've listened and, um, you know, together with Fox, um, they've uh, allowed international windows. Hopefully now that'll follow on to the W League because the W League needs international windows And it means well. that the season will start later. I think it's around the 17th of October, I think the, the date was, um, because the first weekend of the A-League season would be a, an international break, as we saw this year. So yeah. uh, to start off the season missing a lot of players uh, isn't ideal. But what your thoughts on starting in, in the middle of October? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the whole idea was to you know, have that clean space. Um, you know, after the uh, NRL Grand Final and the AFL Grand Final, but we've seen it really doesn't matter. We can stand on our own two feet, and um, as long as we're promoting the thing, exactly. Because this year we didn't promote it, exactly. and no one knew it was happening. You know, it's going to finish, I think, the 18th of May, so a little bit into into uh, late May. But that's it's finals time, so there's a, enough, you know, buzz around finals um, to to you know get get the crowds uh, going, and uh, hopefully. Yeah, it'll work. You touched on Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I, I want to speak to you about that at the end of the show today uh, around uh, their future in the competition. We saw some news emerge this week uh, regarding uh, a potential exit from the, the Wellington Phoenix or a potential merger. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you and ask you about your views on that a little bit later. Plenty more to come on this edition of The Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with me and uh, the boss of one of the biggest football clubs in the country joins us now. Trent Jacobs, congratulations on the new role, Trent, and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Good afternoon to you both. Mate, uh, well done on the on getting the role. It's a hotly contested one, I know that, uh, and uh, it's uh, a role that uh, carries a lot of responsibility. You've, you're no stranger to the club, though, having been there for, what, 10 years now, I'd imagine? Yeah, that's right. No, I've been around, uh, been around football now for, for 10 years and certainly been at Melbourne Victory uh, for the entirety of that time. And I'm acutely aware, one, as you referenced, uh, the uh, the magnitude of, of one, the, the, the role, and two, the job being Melbourne Victory Football Club. And uh, I'm also very aware that it was a, a hotly contested race and there were plenty of people interested. So uh, to have been able to uh, be the person that was uh, chosen at the end of that process is... Uh, um, is, a, is, a, is a very nice feeling for myself um, and uh, I'm very, very uh, thankful to the board for extending me that opportunity and uh, now it's about uh, putting it into practice in terms of what we can do over the, uh, the ensuing years to come. Trent, um, Tony Pinata, congrats on the role. Well done. Um, Thank you, <coughs> Ten years, nearly long service leave uh, coming up there. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, but uh, like any 
sort of new you know CEO in the role. You know, the first ninety days, as they say, are, are crucial. Um, but you've been at the club for a while. What are some of the strategies, um, some of the thought process uh, that you'll be bringing over the next uh, next few months? Look, it, it's uh, you're right in what you're saying, and I, and I think I, I um, was no different in in my desire one to to secure the role, Tony, and, and to my planning to to get the role. So my thought process was around, you know, what do we do in the first three to four months um, in that real short-term period? And then also, how do we plan out the next three to four years in relation to what are the, sort of the, the broader objectives that we need to uh, be achieving? So, um, so look, and, and the process actually lent itself quite well to that, Tony, in respect to the fact that uh, when we got to the last phase of, uh, of the recruitment process, we were required to present a, a three-year strategic plan to the board um, so I, I suppose my my target areas in in the short term um, were you know and, and, I, and I was probably um, luckier than most in that I was I was privy to being inside the four walls of Melbourne Victory and have done for quite some time as we've already referenced. So um, so yeah, I, I'm certainly looking at uh, initially HR is always really important and what the infrastructure of the place needs to look like in the immediacy and and how I see it evolving over the course of the next two or three years. Uh, our football program uh, goes without saying uh, to all of our members and fans that would be listening to the program that uh, whilst we are uh, remain um, uh, on track as far as we're concerned uh, to, to play a part in, uh, you know, obviously the pointy end of the final series uh, in 2017-18, um, to be finishing fourth is not where we want to be finishing. So the work that needs to go into supporting Kevin and Paul Trimboli on uh, everything we need to build out in terms of infrastructure and support for 18, 19 and beyond is, is at the forefront of my mind. And, and also looking at um, what it is that we deliver out to our members and fans on a, on a match day, um, uh, again, week in, week out. So um, we are immersed in an incredibly uh, competitive sporting landscape and that's really changed in front of our eyes over the last four to five years in terms of you know, what's happening in sport through those summer months. So making sure that we're incredibly contemporary, delivering value to our members and fans, families, all the way through the different segments of our member and fans, um, and, and making sure that that 90 minutes remains pure, but people are coming and, and experiencing something across that three hours that they get genuine value from. But probably some of the target areas, and then obviously we've got um, um, some, some much broader, um, I guess, objectives over that sort of three- to four-year period about how the club evolves and how we take it forward in that competitive landscape. We've spoken a lot on this program, Trent, about the challenges facing the A-League at the moment. What's the one greatest challenge uh, as the CEO of the Melbourne Victory Football Club that that you see for our sport for next season? Let's talk just in the short term. Uh, Look, I think think the biggest challenge for the game at the moment is just making sure that... uh, And and look, it's self-evident and uh, it's been widely reported, but just making sure... Uh, all the key stakeholders are on the are on the same page in terms of how we take the game forward. So I think if we can get resolution on the governance of the game, um, hopefully relatively quickly, then we can build a clear vision of, of the A League going forward, and uh, and we can all uh, um, work around that vision and, and work collaboratively to build that vision and uh, and, and start to see our metrics going in the right direction because they have, have certainly played uh, on and receded to, to to a small extent. But I'm very much of the view uh, that. Um, that there's loads of positivity that we can that we can look forward to, but uh, the governance matter is one that needs to get resolved, and, and, and we hope it gets resolved quickly. 
Trent, um, last weekend we um, had uh, two games in, in, in Melbourne. Um, you know, we had 7,000 on Friday night, uh, 15,000 um, on, on Sunday night. Uh, is ticket prices, was that the primary reason as to why you know, we didn't get the, the sort of uh, crowds that we were hoping to get for those two games? Um, look, I, I, I'm... I'm not sure. I'm certainly not going to... I wasn't privy to uh, ticket pricing. I imagine it was a line from uh, the Melbourne City game on the, the Friday to ours on the Sunday. Um, they introduced a, a fourth ticketing category, uh, and my understanding at our game uh, against Adelaide is that fourth ticketing category, a Category D price, um, largely sold through. So there might be some indication, Tony, that uh, pricing was a concern. It probably wasn't too much higher than uh, a relatively standard A-League game. Um, but a- as you would recall from your recent time in the seat at Sydney FC, it becomes the first time that members um, obviously have to pay to go and see games since mm. the commencement of the season. So, um, uh, and, and, and often they're already forward planning as well. For some reason with our club, and I've been lucky to be a part of uh, quite a bit of success at Melbourne Victory, those preliminary finals probably haven't... Um, uh, delivered uh, our largest audiences and, and as we progress through that final series, particularly getting to grand finals where we've hosted in Melbourne, we've been obviously very uh, um, very lucky and, and we've been able to secure a sellout crowd. So, look, maybe price um, um, was, was some component of that, Tony, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I think there's also the you know, obviously the contemplation that, that families have to pay again for the first time and, and people might be forward planning as well around would they travel for for, for further finals, so I imagine there's a, a whole raft of considerations. That's without um, obviously knowing what people might have planned socially across different sports, etc. Yeah, no, good points, and it, it must be noted that uh, FFA run the finals. They set the price in. Um, the clubs just basically turn up and play the game, and uh, you know they have no uh, responsibility. But I think uh, FFA sort of uh, had a look at it and they're actually, you know, reducing the pricing for this week, which is uh, fantastic, um, and hopefully they, you know, get some uh, some big crowds. Trent, one of the big issues uh, around uh, the, the league over the last couple of years has been uh, active support and uh, and the way that that's changed uh, um, due to diff- varying factors. I know you've played a big part in, in negotiating and and. Uh, talking to Melbourne Victory's active support and negotiating with security and, and the FFA, uh, we're starting to see some of that active support come back, especially at Victory Games, but it's still a long way away from where we were, let's say, five years ago. Uh, will we see the scenes that we saw five years ago uh, anytime soon in the A-League where the atmosphere was, was something that other sports were, were jealous of? Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, probably even only as recently... Uh Michael, it was two or three years ago that uh, a whole raft of different football codes were, were, were coming to, uh, whether it be Melbourne Victory Games or Western Sydney Games or Sydney FC Games, uh, for that matter, wanting to get a better understanding of, um, you know, I suppose, of uh, the philosophy of active fans and, and, and their contribution to uh, the game of football. Uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, we can see those, uh, those times return. Um, uh, there's no doubt uh, that, that active supporters and... and uh, our active fans uh, right the way across the board, but let's talk specifically about Melbourne Victory and play. They, they, they play an incredibly important part of, uh, um, of, of of what they bring to the event, how they support, how they engage all of our members and fans around the stadium. So, um, but yes, you're right. There, there's there's certainly been uh, um, a drop off of that, and that, that that's evident uh, around the country. We this year are starting to see 
the re-emergence of, of active support, and we've been working closely with uh, a handful of leaders that uh, are looking to rebuild. But it is a it is a slow process, uh, and, and it's a process that we need to we need to be, uh, uh, I suppose, mindful of. You know that. Uh, um, need to be and, and, and I'd like to think that from my perspective we've always wanted to listen and try and engage and, and active supporters uh, are independent of the club and want to remain independent of the club and it's very important to understand that psychology and philosophy so um, in doing so we will we will do so um, with the uh, the mindset and the charter of, of listening uh, wanting to work with uh, and trying to facilitate the best outcomes for all because from our side uh, we'd love to see our active fan base um, starting to continue to grow. Um, we want to see the, the re-emergence of colour uh, and atmosphere um, and, and an inclusive nature um, in doing so. So, look, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we'll be working on in the off-season again uh, and, uh, and hopefully those numbers can continue to climb, but we will be patient on it uh, and we will continue to work with those leaders and those that want to uh, obviously be involved in uh, in that process. We've, we've spoken a lot about marquees, and uh, this year we haven't had any really big-name marquees. I suppose the last big-name marquee we had in the A-League was, was uh, Alessandro Del Piero. How far off do you think we are as a league, not necessarily your club, but as a league of attracting those types of names uh, again back into the A-League? We understand the, the commercial pressures clubs are under and the FFAs uh, express their, you know, they're under commercial pressure as well, but... We just get the sense that uh, you know we, we need an injection uh, in the next year of of that type of brand to to, to bring the the game back to the masses. Yeah, look, I think one of the challenges, and you you, you both would be aware of it, was uh, um, there was obviously a, a major increase, um, which was uh, which has been, uh, I suppose, uh, as, a, as a direct result of uh, uh, China's football economy, uh, and also more recently. Um, uh, the television rights deal out of uh, out of England that has seen uh, uh, some of these prospective marquee player values increase significantly, and that's probably most recently over the course of the last two years, which has made matters very very difficult for A League clubs to be able to um, to com- well, I guess to be able to compete financially. Um, to, to be brutally honest, so um, it's look. I, I believe it is something that uh, would be fantastic to see uh, some some profile players uh, coming into the A-League again from abroad, uh, certainly something I'll be talking about with uh, with our football department um, our marquee uh, roster um, is, is locked at the moment but uh, having said that uh, what it looks like over the course of uh, the next 12 months, the next 24 months uh, um, I, I think it's a conversation that our club uh, will want to uh, certainly be involved in um, and, uh, and I think that it can only be a good thing, uh, Michael and Tony um, to, to see international players coming here, international players coming here with a profile, but also delivering you know totally different things to the Australian game, the way they play, and, and that's the beauty of being able to bring in uh, you know players, whether that be from South America, whether it be from different parts of Europe, whether it be from from England, or for that matter, whether it be from Asia. Trent, um, FFA have opened up the uh, bidding process for uh, for new clubs that come in uh, for season nineteen twenty, and I know Sydney have been pretty. Um, vocal uh, against a, a team uh, such as Southern Expansion coming in, which uh, they feel will take over their uh, their territory, which they're um, you know got a lot of members and fans coming from. Um, what's uh, Melbourne Victory stance in terms of uh, you know an, another Melbourne team potentially coming into the market? Look, uh, as a club, um, we we have uh, publicly stated that we're uh, supportive of expansion. Um, we haven't uh, um, been made aware of uh, 
of where all the bids have come from, other than those you know, of what we read. Um, I, I guess from 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 our perspective, um, uh, you know, that's something that, that we will see emerge over you know obviously that bidding process and and what then transitions through to to those that will need to actually undertake a, a formal bid. So I guess at the moment, we, whilst we remain um, supportive of expansion, I prefer not to comment on the specifics of, of, of where they might be and where they might come from. Once that uh, information comes to hand, I think as a club, we'd sit down and review it. Um, and uh, should there be any uh, concerns about, um, I suppose, the geography of where a club may be looking to um, inhabit in Melbourne, then we would address that at that point in time directly with the FFI. I, su- I suppose, and my, my firm view is is that, you know, if there's another club in Melbourne, it needs to be uh, away from Amy Park. So if it's in Dandenong, then they need to have a, another facility out there. And, and we're still a long way off from that. Uh, in your negotiations with, with government, I know you talked to government and you've got stadium deals in place with Etihad Stadium and, and uh, Melbourne Olympic Parks Trust is... Is that something that you know, I feel that the sport is being hamstrung a little bit by by government deals with with stadiums and clubs really have nowhere to go? Is that a challenge for us uh, as a sport uh, in the future? It, it, those types of deals need to be renegotiated, but at the moment we just don't have any le- enough leverage. Um, well, it's hard for me to speak on behalf of any other club, uh, Mike. On that regard, so I only talk on, on behalf of ours. And, and look, uh, you know, one where. Um, you know, I mean, Amy Park, uh, you mentioned Amy Park before. It's it clearly, um, from our perspective, the best football venue in the, in the country. Um, the, the experience that um, uh, members and fans receive there, how close they are to the action, the touchline, the byline is, is uh, I think, it's second to none. And, and obviously our relationship with Etihad Stadium is incredibly important to our club, particularly for our really big games like derbies and, uh, and, and Australia Day games against Sydney where we simply don't have the, you know the the, uh, the capacity to be able to support those that want to come wanting to come to those games. Um, the one thing that you do reference, which is is something that I, I think uh, um, all football codes, for this matter, um, deal with to an extent, is that uh, where you've got multi-purpose venues, you, you unfortunately do lack that tribalism that goes with um, uh, with having a, a, a home venue that is exclusively to one club, where you've got the capability of of branding that venue, of, of taking genuine ownership over that venue. So to your point about Amy Park, I, I guess from a, um, from my perspective personally, and, and this is not something that has been discussed around our board table at the moment, so it's a personal view, not necessarily a club view, I too would uh, be disappointed if we had uh, um, a third Melbourne A-League club in the future playing out of Amy Park because it, it further dilutes that, uh, that, that, that home venue advantage and, uh, and, and, the, and the tribalism that goes with clubs feeling like they own a venue. Um, speaking about venues, uh, you've got the uh, the big blue in um, Sydney this uh, Saturday night. Um, are you going up for it, um, Trent? Certainly am, Tony. Wouldn't miss that. Very much looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good game, and um, yeah, you're due for uh, to topple Sydney. Um, and then on Friday night, we've got uh, City versus uh, Newcastle. You expecting the CEO of Melbourne Victory to comment on that, eh? No, <laughs> just wait and see. Right, wait for my on. question. Yeah. Um, there's a big potential for a Melbourne derby, oh, yeah, Trent. Yeah. Um, there is. And uh, from my understanding, if there is a Melbourne derby, it's going to be held at uh, Etihad. Is that uh, correct? That's my understanding, Tony, yes. Yeah, well, that's my understanding too. So a home grand final for Melbourne victory. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty big character. <laughs> well, well, I think... Uh, Neutral venue. Our board, and, <laughs> our, our board and, uh, and football department wouldn't want me commenting on, uh, <laughs> uh, on, on the grand final matters as yet. But, 
Best, um, Trent, um, for this uh, this week's game. It's going to be an absolute ripper. No, thank you, guys. It's uh, been a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, uh, yeah, obviously just want to take an opportunity to, to say thanks to all our members and fans that uh, supporting FNR. Um, you know, for those that make the trek up to Sydney, we look forward to their support up there. And uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that uh, we, can, uh, we can beat Sydney uh, and, uh, and then uh, see where we're playing the following week. But uh, thanks to you guys and... Uh, and Thanks, Trent. Trent Jacobs joining us on Football Nation Radio, the CEO of Melbourne Victory. And, uh, Tony, that would be sensational for Melbourne if you're in Melbourne. Oh, a Melbourne final. But the the other interesting loophole in all of that is that uh, it's advantage Melbourne Victory should they get there. That's Melbourne Victory's home ground. Melbourne City rarely play there. Only, only when they play the derby. Once a, once a year in the Melbourne derby at the start of the year. But... It's a ground and uh, and territory that is very familiar to Melbourne Victory, not Melbourne City. And if you look at the results, uh, Melbourne Victory uh, hold a massive edge over um, City over there. So uh, let's see what happens, but um, it would be nice to have a Melbourne derby. Well, it's unlikely given that Sydney and Newcastle have been so strong all year, but finals, uh, anything can happen. We know we've seen that many times. Well, the before. last four or five years, the top two teams have made it through. So um, there's a lot to play for. There's a Champions League spot for Melbourne City. Um, or No, they've actually got this. Yeah, yeah. Melbourne Victory actually have a chance to... Uh, if they win the grand final. Well, yes, yes. That's the only the way they, they can make the Champions League. But... Uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating uh, proposition, and it's something that uh, we love about finals football that uh, these these things can happen. And uh, it's interesting to note also, Tony, that uh, over the thirteen years of the A League, the winner has always come from the top two. Yeah, a winner of a grand final has never come outside of the top th- top two, which is extraordinary given we're in season thirteen. Yeah, it just it just goes to show. Mike, I want to ask you a question. You're mm. a you know, you're a purist, a football mm. fan. You've uh, you know followed the game. Um, you love the game. Um, what are your thoughts on on you know first past the post means a lot in a lot of leagues around the world. It means a little bit here in in, in the A League, but yep. ultimately it's the grand final winner. It's the Australian way. Uh, so whoever holds that. Uh, Toilet seat, as they call it, uh, is the uh, the champions. Um, what's your view about the grand final winner well, versus the premier? Yeah, plate? I've been of someone that's grown up uh, in Melbourne, followed uh, uh, all different football codes uh, all my life, and I've I've become accustomed to the uh, the winner of the grand final being uh, being the champion, uh, understanding very well the, the the European football and and following European football very closely as well. I think that uh, being here in Australia, we've only got ten teams. Uh, we don't have all the other competitions that the European clubs play for, the Champions League, the Europa League, the FA Cups, the Italian Cups. Yes, we have an FFA Cup now, but I still think that we're still immature uh, and we still need that final series to create the excitement, to create the uh, extra uh, TV revenue and to create uh, something to look forward to in a season. Because we, And the reason we have six out of the ten teams playing in finals is because we don't have promotion and relegation. It's to keep as many teams alive during the season as possible. If we didn't have a top six, there'd be half the teams in the league with four or five rounds to go with absolutely nothing to play for. And that's why we have finals, and that's why I think we, we still need a finals playoff. 
um, because we don't have the cup competitions. We don't have promotion and relegation. If we had promotion and relegation, then perhaps we can start having the conversation around first past the post is the way to go. But I think we're a, a fair way off that just yet. Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree. Um, you know, winning the grand final is the ultimate. Um, you know, Premier's play is fantastic. Uh, but the final series is what the Australian public like. Um, you know, we have it in, in, in all the other football codes. And, um, you know, as you said, it's uh, commercially, it's fantastic for the, uh, for the FFA in terms of revenue, but it's also very good for the, for the clubs. Um, I know last year, you know, when I was at Sydney, you know, we played in the grand final. Our metrics were fantastic for our sponsors and the exposure they got. And, you know, to see Allianz Stadium sold out, um, and wherever they'll play it this year, it'll sell out. And it's, people want to go to the grand final. Maybe that's why they tend to hold back in the other games. Talk to us through the revenue model for the final series. So the, the finals are run by the A-League, the FFA. Does any money flow back to the clubs? No, it's something that I've raised for a long, long time, and it was hopeful that uh, with the new TV deal there could be prize money. So ultimately, uh, FFA pick up the whole tab. So they pick up the stadia cost they pick up the flights the accommodation uh, they basically the teams just turn up and, and, and play the only things that would cost the clubs are, are bonuses that they pay to uh, you know their the coach for example I don't think there's really bonuses for uh, for players because it's a salary cap environment and uh, a lot of clubs now just don't pay bonuses because it's very very hard to calculate um, but you know prize money is something that should go to the to the winner. Um, but at the moment, there's uh, zero dollars that go right through. And uh, you know, if you look at the EPL model, uh, where you finish on the ladder, you pick up uh, money. So uh, maybe that that could be introduced down the track. We speculated on the uh, potential Melbourne Derby Grand Final, but what if uh, Newcastle win and Melbourne Victory win? It'll be a Newcastle Melbourne Victory Grand Final. Where will that be staged? Has, has the FFA announced? Uh, it, it, under that scenario, would it be played at Hunter Stadium or would they move that game to Sydney? Well, in the past, uh, when Central Coast played Newcastle, but it I think it was, Central, it was Central Coast's home ground. They played yeah. it at, uh, at Allianz then. I'd like to see it if you know Newcastle make it, they play it at Hunter. You know, It'll be a really slap in the face to the fans of Newcastle who've come out in force and probably sell it out this week. And then for the grand finals, they move it to, to get another you know, maybe 20,000 people. Uh, but 20,000 people at an average of you know, 25 bucks, oh, you, you do the maths. That, wouldn't it? The, uh, the, the ticket price would be more than $25 in a grand well, final. Well, you know, I'm sort of you know, downplaying it, but it's a huge revenue cost to uh, FFA. So uh, big decision. Um, We'll know on Saturday night what happens. A question for the FFA, no doubt, and a fascinating weekend coming up in the A-League finals. And we thank Trent very much for joining us on the program on Football Bosses. Trent Jacobs, the CEO of Melbourne Victory. More to come here on FNR. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group, Football Bosses, with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.
Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on Football Nation Radio. My name is Michael Zapponi and uh, my co-host is Tony Pinata. Tony, the former CEO of the Wellington Phoenix, as well as the former CEO of the Sydney Football Club, as well as the former CEO of the Football <laughs> Federation Victoria. Uh, good to see that uh, the FFV announced this week too uh, the appointment of their CEO, Peter Philopoulos, uh, who's done a great job at uh, Perth Glory and uh, is now uh, heading back to Melbourne. I know his family's back in Melbourne. Similar circumstances to you, Tony, that uh, he wanted to be home, but a good appointment for the FFV. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic appointment. Uh, Peter's done a really good job up in uh, across in, in Perth. Um, you know, he's CEO of uh, South Melbourne for, for a long time. He's been involved in sports, a uh, very good sports administrator, and um, hopeful uh, he can um, you know turn things around at FFV, and I'm sure he will. And uh, on the Wellington Phoenix, news emerged this week that uh, they could potentially be either merged with a, a new consortium or gone completely from the A-League next year. There's a few things about this that intrigues me. One is that the FFA must be desperately searching for a new n- exciting narrative for next year. And if that's the case, does this provide an opportunity for that new excitement for, for next year whilst we're waiting for proper expansion to occur in two seasons' time? There's something there. I mean, these things don't. And I know... Uh, for a fact that uh, quite a few uh, of the new, uh, I suppose, uh, bidders uh, speaking with uh, the Phoenix, um, I think they're wanting a little bit too much money. Don't forget, they've only got a licence for another two seasons. After that, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, so they're probably trying to uh, get uh, get something out of it, the owners are, before it uh, it's all wrapped up. But it's just disappointing. I mean, they, they were given an extension and I don't think there's, I don't know really, you know, Rob Morrison comes out and says, uh, you know, we're not selling, uh, you know, we want to build this club. But I just can't see it, you know. I, I, actions speak louder than yeah. words, don't they? And we really haven't seen actions from that club this season to just, indicate that they do want to grow. And there's frustrations within the club. Um, to be honest, they're plodding along. Mm. I mean, they only just beat the wooden spoon because of uh, the last game of the, the season when they unexpectedly beat Melbourne City. Um, so I, I think they're on thin ice. Uh, I think I, the FFA, if they could get rid of them, they would straight away. But they can't. Um, they won't allow a merger. They won't allow a bidder to go in and buy the license and set up. You know whether it's in Sydney or whether it's uh, here in uh, you know South Melbourne have uh, you know been eluded. That won't happen. Um, but uh, you know Wellington uh, Phoenix, uh, Rob Morrison, the board there. Uh, the staff, they need to work out what they want to do. Let me challenge you on that. Why why can't that happen? So the speculation is that uh, a new consortium comes in and and, and uh, takes less than 50% and, and Wellington have the controlling stake for the next couple of years. Uh, why, why can't that happen in, in your in your experience of what you've seen so Yeah, I, I can't see the FFA allowing a, you know, that, that to happen without the, the due process uh, in terms of, you know, where do they set up? Do they, you know, South Melbourne just goes in and buys the licence and set up? The FFA won't allow that. Even if it's a merger, well, they're going to play four games here and, you know, four games uh, in Wellington, a couple in Auckland, and, you know, it's just going to be a dog's breakfast. So um, that will never happen. Um so in your experience of working at, at club level at, at Wellington and Sydney, uh, do you think that in it, as we stand today, that Wellington Phoenix will be part of the A-League next season? Uh, they will be, yes. I'm pretty so, sure. Okay. So no, 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 none of this uh, speculation we're reading about now will, will come Look, to there, fruition? No, but there, you know, it is um, 
you know, it has been done. You know, they, they've been approached by quite a few of the bidders. I know that for a fact. Uh, but I, as I said, I, I can't see FFA allowing that. All right. Well, Tony just poured cold, cold water on all of that excitement. The Sydney uh, <laughs> consortiums go home. Tony reckons no chance. It's uh, Wellington Phoenix next season all the way. Tony, thanks again uh, for coming in. And uh, it's been a great chat. We look forward to another big show next week as we preview the grand final and uh, everything around the final series. Uh, from me, Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata. it's goodbye from now. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pignata on FNR Football Nation Radio.